Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Watch it. everybody to another episode of the in the paint show episode 115 presented by ball is life ronnie Flores here with my co-host chelsea hopkins chelsea professional players played with four WNBA teams is currently overseas so we appreciate her taking her time out of her busy schedule chelsea is going to be a co-host periodically to talk about you know ball in all areas she's very well versed and chelsea welcome aboard ronnie thank you so much for having me um, I'm excited about the opportunity, you know, just to talk basketball, do what I do best. So here I am. Yeah, that is definitely what you do best. I know you have great, strong opinions and points, but we're going to talk a lot about a lot of things have happened in the WNBA off the court, you know, in the last week or so. And, you know, we're going to we're going to chop it up about, you know, whatever comes to our mind. But one of the first things I want to talk to you because about is the NBA All-Star team got announced. And yes, yes. You know, the, let's go over the starters real quick. In the East is, is Trey Young, DeMar, Joe Embiid. KD was injured, so Jason Tatum jumps into the starting lineup from the Boston Celtics. Yep. And uh, MVP, the Greek freak, the NBA champion. In the West, Steph Curry, no surprise there. John Morant, the Joker from Denver, the big man. LeBron and Andrew Wiggins from the Golden State Warriors. Andrew um, Wiggins, sleeper. Yeah. What do you, you know, let's go, let me get your initial reactions to the team. I guess we could, you could rattle off the, the full team or we could talk about the starters and, you know, obviously Draymond was injured and KD's injured. So the guys that were added were Mallow Ball and Javante Murray. I'm saying his name wrong. I'm, I'm totally by Javante Murray. Murray, my guy from Seattle <laughs> so, from the Spurs. So obviously two young guys got added. So what's your initial reaction to, this year's all-star team? Uh, for the most part, I think they got it right. Um, okay. I was surprised to see Andrew Wiggins as a starter, um, but he's having an incredible season. You know, I think yeah. sometimes just, you know, being on the Warriors with all the star power, you got Stephen Curry there. Obviously, Clay Thompson just came back. He's working his way back. Uh, Draymond's been in and out of the lineup yeah. with his back injury, but obviously they're a very well-oiled machine. They have a lot of good pieces around. So, you know, Andrew Wiggins is quietly having a very, very strong season. And if you look yeah. at the numbers, he, he's pretty deserving. I think it just kind of shocked yeah. everybody that, that he got in. So yeah, that was definitely my surprise, surprise pick. But I think he deserves it. Yeah, no, it's pretty interesting when you hear about players being on the more popular franchises. Because I remember the year after Kareem retired, and obviously the Lakers were just so popular then, and they were always on TV, and the Celtics and 
AC Green got voted into the starting lineup over Carl Malone. So the next time they played Utah, Carl Malone put 62 points on his head because he was yeah, just trying to because he was just, you know, AC Green got voted in by the fans. So I see how AC, how uh Andrew Wiggins got voted in by the fans. I think he had a, a social media push or somebody out there that was really pushing his name. But well, you know, the fan base in the bay too, like they're gonna yeah. ride for there. So, you know, yeah. Andrew Wiggins, like I said, he's been having a good season. So I'm sure the fans up there got behind him and, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, you know, wanted to ask you a couple quick questions about the young guys. Obviously, Mello looks like he's going to be a perennial all-star. I don't think people are really surprised by that going forward. You know, obviously, as the team gets better, he gets more, uh, you know, more seasoning. He's going to be really good. And and, and we've known that for a long time. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards is going to be, you know, a good player, even though he didn't get in this year. I think he eventually he'll be a perennial all-star. He's just so explosive and so good. I mean, oh, absolutely. offensively. Yeah, sure. like you know, I've followed him for a long time, and that's not a surprise either. But wanted to get your hot take on like a second year player or rookie. Who do you think down the line is going to be a, a a multiple all star that that's not on the radar this year? Well, he's kind of on the radar, but his team sucks. I really, really, really like Tyrese Halliburton, and he actually yeah. just got traded like an hour yeah. ago um, from yeah. Sacramento to Indiana. But I think the kid is super talented. I think sometimes it's really hard to kind of appreciate and see how good these kids are when they're stuck on these bad teams. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Cole Anthony, too. He's he's in Orlando. He's tearing it up. But, you know, when the team yeah. is so bad, it kind of, you know, those performances are getting swept under the rug. But I would not be surprised to see those guards uh, very dynamic um, become all-stars one day. Yeah. Cole Anthony, obviously, Greg Anthony's son. It was very interesting to me when Jalen Suggs got drafted there. And I said, well, how's that going to work out with – Cole, you know, and you're drafting another young guard. So, obviously, they, they're they good. They're going to make it work or they have a great asset if they want to move Jalen or, you know, something like that. They have a great asset on their hands. Um, yeah. You know. I think sometimes, too, when you're drafting, sometimes you just take the best available. It's not yeah. even always about what's the best fit for you. You know, sure. obviously, if you're in the lottery, you're not really a great team anyway. So, you just kind of want to, you know, stack up on just talented players. So I don't really know if they'll be together long-term, but yeah. both are very talented. And, and Jalen's kind of coming into his own. He had a slow start, but he's doing good. Yeah. Wanted to get your take, too, on the Mallow situation with Wiseman and the Golden State Warriors. If Golden State wasn't turning it around, if they weren't one of the better teams maybe in the in the title hunt, would everybody already be on their head for not drafting Mallow and having Wiseman? Or is it just, hey, they're – they went big and they have some guards and they're playing good anyway. So who cares? I mean, I think that they went with a need. I mean, sure. Mellow Ball yeah. is incredible. Yeah. I, I'm a fan. He's he's big time. He's showtime. He's exciting to watch. He's flashy. Yeah. You know, he backs up, yeah. you know, all the trash that he's talking to most of the time, too. But but for the Warriors, like you have Steph, you have you have Clay, you have young guys that you drafted in Jordan Poole. They, they yeah. have a lot of talented depth, I think, at the, you know, at the guard spot, especially. And also, it, it's, it's such a system over there. You know, a lot of those guys yeah. are shooting threes and, you know, just Steph is running off all kinds of screens and kind of being the, you have Draymond as the orchestrator. I don't really know if, if LaMelo necessarily fits that. And I think sometimes, sure. you know, they get caught up in playing small ball. We, we've seen, you know, the Warriors have a couple, drop a couple games just from being an undersized team. So I think Wiseman, even though he hasn't been available, He's big, he's strong, he gives them some actual, you know, height and um, on the roster. So, you know, I think they ultimately made the right decision. It's kind of hard to say right now because Wiseman hasn't been in the lineup. But, you sure. know, long term, I know they, they plan on having Steph there forever, Clay there forever, 
Jordan Poole's up and coming. They have a lot of, you know, talented guys that fit in. Juan Toscano-Anderson, you know, guys like that. So, you know, although I think it wouldn't have been bad to take Melo, I think they didn't really need him. I think they had a better fit with Wiseman. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And you never know. They may need him down the line just to grab a few rebounds, block, you know, take up some space. You never know. Well, Maybe. absolutely. Right now they might match, they might match up with my Lakers. I mean, we're struggling. <laughs> we're just trying to get in there. So, you know, we probably gonna go in as the eight seed. Chelsea. And oh, we have boy. a lot of hype. They better put Wiseman because Anthony Davis, they need yeah. somebody for him. That's all I'm saying. I know you're still gonna pull for the Lakers, and I know you think they're gonna pull that one verse eight off or two verse seven, whatever they get into. So <laughs> we'll see how that how that plays out. But before we bring on our Special guest, Kelsey Bone. She's currently a WNBA free agent. I believe she's overseas as well. She probably played with the Aces, played with three other teams since 2013 is basically when, when you came in. And you obviously played for the team that was previously the, the Las Vegas Aces, the San Antonio Stars. So we want to get the, some perspective on that because they've done a lot of things here in this offseason. Very important to the future of the WNBA. So before we bring her on, I want to talk about something before we, we talk about the WNBA, the growth, and, and they're announcing their $75 million in funding, which we'll get into. Tell me about Caitlin Carr from Iowa, Chelsea, this young lady from Iowa. I mean, I'm looking at the video. I'm like, wait a minute. Was there just 30 seconds on the shot clock when I when she saw that? You know, what do you think there? Is she that good? Is it a this few highlights mixed together? Girl, what do we got going on? She's incredible. First of all, I just kind of found out who she was maybe about – two months ago. Um, so I really started tuning into her games and following her. Uh, first of all, Iowa kid. So, you know, she could have went anywhere in the country in terms of, you know, schools and she decided to stay home. Um, she has the neon, neon green light. I mean, that girl will pull up from the parking lot. She does not care. And she's making it. And she's very exciting. Um, yeah. A player to watch. Obviously, uh, they have her in the National Player of the Year conversation just being a sophomore. Um, I think she's definitely going to get better. And I'm excited to see, you know, how she does in the WNBA. You know, everybody's kind of jumping the gun like this girl is so good. Like maybe she should, you know, enter the draft tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. I think she's a dynamic player and she's going to be around for a while. So we'll see. Yeah. 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 Let her get some of that NIL money or something. She's just watching her because like the way I like it is that she kind of explodes and gets like, in low, you know, and gets by defenders. And then she's straight to her pull up. Now she's square again. Like most players are not that. Yeah. And that. the difficulty, I mean, yeah. it's two people flying her, three people flying at her. She's shooting <laughs> a step back. She's pulling up from the logo. Um, there isn't yeah. anything that I've seen that she cannot do. Um, she yeah. also passes the ball. She has double digit assists and she gets triple doubles often too. So super yeah. talented player. Um, and, you know, I, I like that she kind of, you know, took the road less traveled. She didn't go to UConn. She said, hey, I'm going to yeah. stay home. I'm going to do it for my family. I'm going to do it for the fans in Iowa. And, you know, we're going to, you know, give the people something to cheer about. She's very exciting. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Chelsea, let's let's jump into our main in the paint topic here, the growth of the WNBA, obviously something you invested in, something you experienced. You know, on February 3rd, the league announced its largest ever capital gain really the one for any woman's sports property, you know, and they're staying in a large portion of the funds will be used in, in, in marketing, digital, and globaliz globalization of the WNBA. So I wanted to get your quick reaction to that and, you know, just basically what you, what you think it means perception-wise and then reality-wise. Um, well, perception-wise, I think it's huge because, you know, you have all the trolls and the people on social media that say, you know, people don't care about women's basketball. 
So, you know, now you're seeing all this money being pumped into, you know, the WNBA, obviously somebody cares. So that's the first thing. Um, Second, I just love to see people investing in women. I mean, you know, it's, it's long overdue. Uh, These WNBA players are incredible. Um, And, you know, I think just with anything, if, if you invest in something, if you put money into it, it's going to grow. And that's basically, you know, what these, these people are saying, the funding, and they're saying, Hey, you know, we believe the WNBA can be something, can turn into something. Right. So, you know, let's let's water it. Let's see what happens. So that was my right. initial reaction. I think it's super exciting. And, you know, I just hope that the money's going in the right areas yeah. uh, or what I think is the right areas. So I yeah. guess time will tell about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. You know, my reaction is is initially is, you know, companies and affluent people are investing where they think, you know, others will look at their brand or what they're doing in a better light. And like you said, women are investing in women's properties is a big thing right now and has been for a few years. So I think that's a positive thing, obviously. And that's, and that's good. You know, um, it's just crazy right now, Chelsea, that private individuals and some companies just have tons of money. Well, well, so many of people are struggling. Obviously we're in the middle of pandemic still, you know, and I've, I've heard these things about this, you know, like social justice luncheons from big companies like ESPN or people were saying, where can I invest? Where can I help? So I think this is one one area that they've chosen, and, and obviously it's an important area. You know, hopefully it trickles down to to you know other women, even women that just aspire to play in the WNBA and then do other things. Maybe they go to college because of it. Maybe they get involved in in women's sports and other jobs, helping other kids. So it, it, to me, it's more than just the you know twelve times eleven girls that are playing in in the league. You know, the hundred and thirty girls or one hundred and forty girls or whatever. It's more about the whole. Um, just as a young kid saying, hey, I want to be that. I want to do that. I want to look up to that. That's kind of what I like about the girl from Iowa. She's like, oh, I, I grew up watching Maya Moore. You know, like, or I like Maya Moore's my idol. And I'm just like, that's good. Like, keep saying that. You know, yeah, Maya's yeah. my idol, too. And she's, yeah. you know, barely older than me. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I definitely, I definitely yeah. understand Caitlin's sentiments. And, yeah, like you said, it's just about, you know, yeah. giving women, you know, a platform, giving them an opportunity to to shine and, and supporting them with money and endorsements and, and everything else. Like we, like we do the men in, you know, in these other sports. It's the same thing. Sure. Sure. Now, let's talk about a little bit of financials and what this means. And, you know, what, you know, kind of what we think could be good strategies or, or, or good avenues to get started on. You know, I'm looking up several online reports. It says that the W generates about $60 million per season and has $70 million in operating costs. So a lot of that money comes from ticket sales and, and ESPN's TV deals. Now, the NBA owners hold 50% of the equity in the league. 50% belongs to the 12 teams. Now, five of those teams are also owners of NBA franchise. So the league is maybe worth in the, in the range of $1 billion. So right, right now the players are getting, uh, again, I'm going off reports that I see that's somewhere between 20, 25% of the revenue. 15 of that is coming from 15 million from the NBA and 25 from TV rights, as we said, and, and then 20 million a year for the tickets merchandise. So that's where they get to that 60, $60 million number. Again, give or take a few million, but right. you know. So obviously, if something's making sixty million dollars, there's something there. Like you said, now obviously you want to get it to where it's making more. So, you know, obviously Chelsea, the owners want to turn a profit. So, what are the top three areas you've experienced or you've learned about 
being around other NBA players or even being around people in front office that you think would be a good investment for that 75 million that's being invested that got announced, you know, in order for the league to be more profitable? Well, first and foremost, I wouldn't say marketing. Um, I think the WNBA as of late has done a better job with just, you know, um, you know, showcasing the league, but just to give small examples, like, you know, a lot of, WNBA jerseys are not available. They're not accessible. Like, you know, Kalia Copper, she was the finals MVP and her jersey wasn't on Nike. So I just feel like there's small examples where you can see that there's money to be made and the league isn't capitalizing on it. And obviously it costs money to make money. You have to pay Nike to produce these jerseys or whatever. But if you see that there's a demand, if you see that, you know, people are interested in it, then the product should be available. Also to who they choose to market. I mean, you know, the WNBA, in my opinion, just does not do a good job of showcasing that there is many talented women across the board that are playing. A lot of okay. times they focus on the same people. And, and, and those people are amazing in their own right. Brianna sure. Stewart, Sue Bird, like this is no knock against them because they're incredible players. They deserve to be endorsed and showcased. But, sure. you know, there's a lot of people that um, are, are fans of other players that you don't really you don't really see. You don't really hear about them. If, if you're not really an avid WNBA watcher. You don't really know who Benajelani is on the New York Liberty. Right. And she had an awesome season. She was a first-time All-Star. You know, you right. don't really know about some of these maybe smaller market teams that have great players that, you know, the avid fans know about. But, you know, the other people don't have a chance to see these girls because they're not, you know, in the forefront. So sure. you have commercials. Like, you know, Sabrina's been in a lot of commercials, and deservingly so. She, You know, she's a great player. You see her on State Farm. But it just seems like a cycle, a cycle of, of constantly promoting the same five players. You can count them really on one hand, Diana Taurasi, you know, Super, <laughs> just, just the favorites. And, and like I said, these women are incredible. So it's not about, you yeah. know, we shouldn't promote them. It's just, hey, we should promote everybody else too because there's some yeah. other great up-and-coming players too. And yeah. a lot of the people that they choose to promote are older players. They're on their way out. Like well, Sue right. Bird, you know, she just said- Sue Bird is almost the- very little bit younger than me. <laughs> And Sue Bird said, this is it. Like, this is the final countdown. This is my final season. Diana Taurasi, you know, maybe has like two seasons left. But, sure. you know, so we, we need to start putting into these rookies, these second-year players, these third-year yeah. players who are going to be the future of the league and, and get their faces out there so people know who they are. Correct, correct. And then yeah. they know who they're watching. Most times you can, you know, you, you say, hey, name a WNBA player. And people go, uh, Lisa Leslie. It's like, hey, Lisa hasn't played it. <laughs> A hundred years, you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. Uh, correct. If you ask Joe Blow, if you ask me, you know, I'm going to say Diana Taurasi. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Lisa Leslie. You know what I mean? So I yeah, think so we have our guest. That's just visibility, honestly. Yeah, correct. Uh, I think we have our guest, Kelsey Bone, joining us now. Kelsey, I'll bring you in. Kelsey, can you hear us? Yes. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Good. good. Appreciate it. Kelsey, appreciate you joining the In the Paint show. Kelsey is a lot of insight. She's currently a WNBA free agent. I know you formerly played with the Aces and three other teams. So, Kelsey, welcome aboard. Thank you. Um, you know, me and Chelsea were just talking about some of the marketing strategies of the WNBA and where some of that $75 million should be, uh, you know, going towards. And just mm-hmm. wanted to get your highlight. You know, how, how did you feel when you heard that announcement? And then what's your – and what your opinion, what is – something that needs to be done right away with that money or something that would be a sound strategy to use or utilize? Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, sure. uh, but I think to answer your question, one of the first things I thought about uh, when I 
heard about this $75 million fundraiser basically was where is this money coming from and how do the people who are giving this money impact the decisions that are going to be made in this week? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times when I think I saw, you know, Swing Cash made a post that she's involved in it. Then you have companies and corporations as big as Nike um, who sure. have invested in the league. And so I think a big thing that we've always, we can always say that the league has struggled with is visibility. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, I think the first thing that needs to happen with that, with that type of investment in this league is that the players, the players need to be taken care of first. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, travel, I think arrangements and things that first make the league something that, it's already, it's easy to say that, you know, the WNBA, there's no other league in the world that can compete with what the WNBA is. But when you have so many gripes and complaints from your actual players, I think the first thing you have to do is listen, which they have. In, in recent years, they've been listening more and more. Um, okay. But I do think you have to start with the travel issues. Um, as professional athletes in America, Charter flights are just a non-negotiable at this point. Every team should have a plane. It should not be something that's questioned. Um, I don't think it's 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 sick to think that <laughs> you could miss a flight, you could have a flight canceled, you could have all of these things and still be expected to go and play a game. And instead of just eliminating that factor, I know there are times where just certain things, you can't help it. But when you eliminate that human error factor, um, you know, players, we shouldn't have to pay to upgrade our flights. We shouldn't be running in the airport trying to fight the rest of the general population to get an exit row seat. I think there are just yeah. certain things that um, just shouldn't be questioned when you're talking about the Women's National Basketball Association. And so for me, the first thing you have to do is you have to take care of your players. And, 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 and piggybacking on that, you then have to give more people an opportunity to play in that league. I think okay. the visibility takes, it, it kind of takes care of itself in the suits. When you have more teams in more markets, when you have more teams mm -hmm. in places that are, that are women's basketball hotbeds, I think when you think about some of the women's basketball hotbeds in America, there are no WNBA teams there. Um, and so yeah. when you can get more people in more areas of the country familiar with your product, the visibility aspect kind of takes care of itself. Kels, what 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 markets do you think should add a WNBA team since you since you brought that up? Um, I definitely think there should be a WNBA team in Houston. Um, I might be a little bit biased because I'm from Houston, but when you talk about the dynasty that when you talk about the dynasty that the comments were, yeah. That deserves to be celebrated every every day that 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 league survives. The comments deserve to be celebrated. Sure. Um, I think Tennessee should get a market. That, I think the house that Pat Summit built, all those I fans would definitely get on board for sure. Could absolutely, have um, a team, and I think when somewhere on in the north in Northern California, I think when you think about what the Warriors are doing with basketball. That's a market where people are just hungry for basketball. You, you can't even yeah. overlook what the Sacramento Monarchs were 
um, to that part of the, the country. So I think there are a lot of different places. You can even talk about Charlotte, um, you know, being in, on the Southeast. Um, and I, I think there should just be no area, my, in my opinion, where people can't drive a few hours and get to a, a WNBA game. Just like you can hop in your car and get, to, and I, I get it. It won't be 32 teams like the NBA, you know, sure. right off the bat. But there are ways that you can do it so that when people want to see a game in person, that it's accessible and it's possible. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes sense, Chelsea. Those are good points, Kelsey. Um, you know, wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about, is there any aspect of women's basketball that has been grossly overlooked? Like maybe not the marketing, but is there just anything it is for either one of you that's just been grossly overlooked? That's simple, a simple low hanging fruit that can be changed or fixed. Um, I think for me, the game itself. Okay. Um, I think a lot of times what people don't understand about the women's basketball side of things is it's not really about talent. In a lot of instances, okay. um, you know, who, who did, who do you know? Uh, what school did you go to? You know, it's kind of a who's who's and it's a, it's a popularity contest pretty much. Um, a lot of times talent doesn't always play a, a part okay. in these stories that are being told. And so for me, what I believe is that if we, if we let the talent take care of itself, and let those stories be told organically, like whoever it is, not just yeah. because, for example, we know Brianna Stewart's story. We know yeah. it. It's let's now let's tell some other stories. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let's we don't always have to hear the same stories all Correct. the time. And I, and, I, and I think what happens is, is that when you only tell the same stories over and over again, you're only tapping into a certain group of people. Correct. There are 144 women in the WBA. There is someone that can relate to different stories and things that we've all been through and all of these things that if you got more stories out there, that would be an easier way to draw more people in because yeah. you're now more people can relate than just the same five stories that we hear year in and year out. And, and Chelsea made that point earlier. She brought up Brianna Stewart. We're, for whatever reason, Again, just being a neutral observer, we're hearing about the same five to ten girls all the time. The five to mm -hmm. ten girls that are that are star players or whatnot, and we're not hearing about a six man. We're not hearing about a team that's a player on the team that's maybe fighting for a playoff spot too much. So I I, I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. And let me I want to get your guys' opinion as as players and as people who who played it play in the WA, have played in the WA, and are fighting for, you know, a, a piece of the action, so to speak. If there's 144 girls in the league, how many good girls or women are out there that can play in the league? Is the number 300? Is the number 400? Or is it 1,000? How many girls can really play hoop out there? That's like, this girl can get a chance. She could play spot minutes. Uh, I think it's a lot. I mean, yeah. I can't even really speak to an exact number. But yeah, like if you go overseas, and, yeah, absolutely. You go overseas, there's a lot of girls that are super talented that, you know, never got any opportunities and that are hungry. And, and that's the thing that I think that the WNBA doesn't really tap into like it needs to. I, I was talking to Kelsey about this previously. You know, a lot of times the WNBA is looking at, okay, who goes to UConn? Who goes to Tennessee? Who goes to, 
you know, South Carolina, who's up and coming in the draft. But there's some girls that maybe, you know, went to, you know, mid-major schools, have been overseas, played in Europe for two to three seasons, and they're out here getting to it. And, and they really might add more value to a team than a rookie that's fresh out of college because they have three years of Euro Cup or Euro League under their belt, and they're super talented. Sure. So I think that you'd be surprised. And, and obviously, with anything, everybody can't go. Like, even the NBA, like, it's limited to a sense. There's obviously way more teams than WNBA, but it's limited, too. Like, you, and it's, it's, it's hard to tap into. But my thing is I just don't think the WNBA does a good job of kind of exploring what other talent is out there because obviously it costs money to do so. You know, you don't really hear too much about WNBA coaches hopping on planes and coming to Europe and seeing, you know, every now and then you have, you know, a great European player that they might check out, but, but there's a lot of talent out here. Um, So I think it just kind of gets swept under the rug because a lot of these teams know, well, Hey, you know, maybe they might be, they go looking for something, they actually find it, but they don't have a roster spot. And hey, can I get rid of this girl who, you know, played for UConn or played for wherever? Like sometimes it puts them in a rock and a hard place or hey, even better. I've been in situations where I came into camp as a free agent undrafted and and I felt like I took somebody's spot or the players around me felt like I took somebody's spot. But hey, that girl's the number nine draft pick. So you can't really take her spot. So that's kind of just how the situation works a lot of times. But there is a lot, a lot of talent. And, yeah. and that's why I'm glad that we're kind of starting to see, you know, other people trying to give other avenues to showcase women's basketball talent. Like, look at the Athletes Unlimited League that just started in Las Vegas. You know, there, there's a girl who just got a WNBA uh, training camp contract just from having those performances in those scrimmage games. I believe her name's Taj Cole. Um, wow. Good dynamic guard, young guard, 24 years old. And and she just signed with the Connecticut Sun, all because she had an outlet to show people, you know, what she can do. And, and yeah, the funny wow. thing is, is, yeah, it, it, it goes back into what I'm saying. She had to be seen, you know, on U.S. soil in a Las Vegas league to be found. You know, meanwhile, there's a couple other Taj Coles that's, you know, in Spain and Poland. And you just don't really know about them because they're not around. They're not gotcha. visible. So, well, and I think to to piggyback off of Chelsea. There's another side of it in the sense of like, there's so much talent in Europe, just as the European wow. players who yeah. never, I mean, argue, there's a girl who plays in Fenerbahce. I played with her, Alina oh Igapova. God. We played together a couple years ago. and She's arguably the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And wow. as Americans, you'll never know who she is. You'll okay. never ever hear her. She had an opportunity. Um, she signed with the Sparks two or three years ago um, and just ultimately ended up not coming. And and what happens is, is that (laughs) the European players are really good over here. And when they come to the W, they sit because it's a, it's a political thing. You know, it, again, it goes back to it not being always about your talent. Yes. You're the best player in Europe, but when you come over here, you're going to play behind this American. You're going to play behind this player. You're going to play behind this person. And so a lot of times they don't come because they're not, they don't want to sit on the bench. They're not used yeah. to that. They're not, that's not that their happens. reality. Yeah. And, and at a point back in the day, it wasn't enough money to come over and even have to deal with all of that. So mm-hmm. I think expansion will help that. I think more teams, um, Obviously, that'll happen with that when you have more seats, then more bodies can be in those seats. But sure. I do also think that more stories. I mean, I just, I, I always, that's always been my thing with the league, only because you talk about, 
when you talk about the group of women and what, what you have to have and what you have to do to even be able to be drafted into that league, it makes us a dynamic group. I mean, you mm-hmm. have yeah. to have Lauren near our, a college graduate or pretty close um, because we don't leave early and do all of those things. So, like, you have to, you know, you got to go through some stuff and experience some things to actually yeah. be a part of that. And I think one thing about us that's overlooked is the time we spend outside of the country. It turns us into world travelers. We experience things and we have experiences that most people don't have. I've done more things since I was before I was 30 than a lot of people. I've been to a lot of countries, filled up two passports at this point. And so we all have different stories to tell and different things that we've been through. And so when you can showcase that and you can broadcast that to people, um, I think it helps you grow your brand and your product and, and it brings more people in, which is always the goal. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I think if you guys, as a group, if we start looking at the scouting, like you said, making that more aware of who's doing it, make it prestigious. Like on the on the on the guy side, my friend, he's a buddy of mine, and he's been a, a guest on my podcast. Um, he's getting very up there in age, and he's known. His name's Brick Edinger. He's from uh, you know from back east, and he people he saw Michael Jordan before any other scout. Mm-hmm. That is well known, like. And it's the same thing could be who saw Sue Bird. How did this person get to the league? What college? How did she get to that college? Like the whole group, maybe it'll happen over time. Like that needs to be prestigious and well-known. Like who are the well-known scouts who watches these high school girls and start building the story then, you know, because like I said, Brick is an elderly man and he's not doing too well, but like everybody knows that he went to see Ben Simmons' dad. His name is Cecil Simmons for North Carolina because he played Mm -hmm. at North Carolina. For Dean Smith, and he goes, guys, don't worry about uh, Cecil Simmons. There's this other guard on the other team that is mm-hmm. like, oh my god. So that those stories grow organically. There's not enough organic right. stories like that that I that I hear. Again, I would be, I like the high school scouting side stuff. That's what this podcast is mainly about. So that's what I like to hear. So I don't hear that much about. It. So it sounds like if there was more investment in that, and like you said, as the teams grow, as more teams get added, but like the scouting. And just being the best talent has to be identified more and put out there. I think that's a little, one of the reasons the, the one of the ways the stories can grow from these girls from when they're younger. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, you know, because I, I you hear about the college accolades of a player, but that's after almost as they're doing them or after, not like mm-hmm. predicting or hey, who's the number one player in that class? Who's the number two player in that class, etc. So Cassie wanted to change the. the the subject just a bit because uh, my friend Bob Gagan, again, we're talking about older, older, older gentlemen. He just passed and he founded the McDonald's game. He just passed at 87. Um, he came on episode 55 of the in the paint show to talk about the passing of Morgan Woon, who was a legendary coach. who was the selection committee chairman for the McDonald's game. So Kelsey wanted to get your fondest memories of being a McDonald's all American. What do you remember most about the game in Miami? Um, whoo, I, I want to age myself, but that was so long ago. But <laughs> for me, um, it's funny because that was like yeah. it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Oh, um, wow. mm-hmm. yeah, I was actually uh the player of the year, the, the McDonald's player of the year that year, and they at the time I hadn't committed to college, yet. Okay. um, and so they asked me to commit at the game and all this stuff, so it turned into like this whole big deal. Well. 
there was kind of a rift between my mom and I. She wanted me to go to Texas A&M. I wanted to go to South Carolina. So like it just was, and and now here we are. We're in Miami. I have to make this decision. We've been arguing about it for months, um, and we still aren't on the same page. But I'm adamant that I'm doing this, and I'm not listening to my mom. And so, um, (laughs) my and my pressure and everything was just like you know I'm supposed to be enjoying this time and playing in this game and all my hard work over the years. Like this is what it was for. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, but the one sure. thing, I, Miami, that memory is always about like that decision and my mom in my hotel room crying, begging. And I'm just like, no, mom, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not listening to you. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she ultimately was right. Um, she was right. I was about to say that. <laughs> I always have to give her that credit. Um, but for me, um, that game as a 16 year old girl at the time sure. was like the best thing I'd ever done. Um, you know, to have all my hard work in a six year period kind of come to a point. Um, yeah. It's everything your dreams are made of. I think when yeah. you start as a young basketball player, you, when you really start to take it serious, the first thing you start to hear about is the McDonald's game. That's kind of the right. first goal you want, you write down when you're a young you pick a shoe team to play for and all that stuff. That's your first goal. Um, and so I still remember the day my high school coach told me I was going to be one. I still remember a lot wow. of things that were surrounding that because, again, like at that point in my life, that was the climax uh, yeah. to my little yeah. career at the time. Uh, so to have that happen and to forever be a McDonald's All-American and be a part of that history, um, it's something that I do hold near and dear to my heart because yeah. – not everybody gets that opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I do remember that game a little bit. I've I started to get some picture of that story. I think, like you said, you won the Morgan Wooten Award mm-hmm. as the player of the year. And I, I kind of do remember the, the commitment or that being talked about. Well, you know what I remember most about the game is Sugar Rogers hitting two deep threes. And she was having <laughs> yeah. the time of her life. Yeah, yeah. She hit two yeah. deep threes. I was like, did she just shoot those? Yes, I was like, yeah, got a lot of them moving forward. Yes, she did. Yeah, speak, speaking of Sugar Rogers, incredible story. She has a book yeah. out that people should, yeah. you know, yeah. learn a little bit about her history. And, you and, know, and that's one what story. You know, I'm so happy that you guys mentioned her because that was one person I was thinking about earlier. That was a story that was told, but it wasn't told in the right, like everybody mm-hmm. else's story. Um, I think Suge has one of the most unique stories in the fact that. You know, her parents died when she was young. She experienced a bout with homelessness. Like, Suge's been through a lot and has persevered. And it it's not a story that we heard enough about. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know the background a little bit because I followed it and followed her and I was at the game. And I do remember, you know, she had a dynamic personality. Mm-hmm. She was happy and she hit those two shots. And I, I, I remember a few other plays. I remember Skylar Diggins had a steal late to get her team back in the game. And one, I vividly remember that. But yeah, you're right. I, I know that she has a book out. I saw it on her mm-hmm. Facebook page. But yeah, I would like to know more about that or what, you know, whatever team she's plays for. Did she play for the Mystics for a while? Like, is that on a pregame show? Is that at halftime? Do we? Yeah, she, she was in, she was in DC. Yeah. She was in New York. She bounced around a little bit and then she finished with the Aces and now she was on their coaching staff. Yeah. Um, last year when Bill Lambeer was the yeah. head coach, but now Becky. So hopefully she continues with them, but she basically just kind of did that transition right away from, from player to coach. Yeah. 
Wow. So, you know, a shout out to Bob Gagan. Uh, you know, he passed. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he had the vision to start the game. He first started the Capitol Classic, which was in D.C., 1974. Then he told McDonald's, hey, let's take this national. And they added the girls game in 2002, which is now 20 years they've had the girls game. So that that's pretty awesome. I hope they keep celebrating it. Maybe have a 20-year anniversary team or a 25-year anniversary team as they move forward. But let's continue on this topic of the WNBA. I wanted to talk about uh, investing for the right reasons and maybe investing for not the right reasons in the WNBA because we're talking about money. So let's start with the Let's start with the wrong reasons or yeah, maybe not the right reasons. This is from my perspective. If the teams are not making a bunch of money, it seems that the owners are in it for the clout, prestige, to say they own the team. Hey, I'm the owner of the Atlanta Dream. I'm the owner of the Aces. Or what? I'm the owner of the Sparks. You know, it becomes an ego thing to me a little bit. Or maybe you're using that for a public service, public, public figure. So, so Chelsea, I wanted to get – your opinion on that, because we talked about that on episode 73 when you came on, when we were talking about social justice issues in Atlanta Dream. So uh, do you find that case to that to be the case with the former uh, Dream owner, Kelly Loeffler? Or, and do you feel that there could be other owners like that that are like, I'm in this because it puts my name out there. I'm in the news. I'm, I'm I have a title. Do you do you think that was the case with her? Um, well, with the Kelly Loeffler situation, like, I don't think really anybody knew what she was until okay. she started kind of pushing those politics, okay, um, in reference to her team. And what was crazy about it was yeah. you, because we didn't know her at first, you, I would thought that, you know, she initially wants to invest in women, you know, she's okay. a woman, you know, here's the sports team that, you know, she has access to or whatever. So that was my initial thought. So okay. then when I heard her, that she was obviously campaigning and she's coming out kind of in opposition of what her players, what's important to her players. So my first thought is, well, you know, why would I want to own a team full of black women that are supporting causes that I don't like? Like, it doesn't make any sense because obviously this team, well, most of the WNBA teams are operating, operating at a loss, you know, it's not super profitable. So, Hey, here's this team full of mostly black girls you know, they're they're standing up for social justice. They're talking about Black Lives Matter. And then the next thing you know, I'm campaigning against it. Like, it just kind of just seems counterproductive. So for me, initially, like I said, I didn't know anything about her until she started, you know, speaking out as a Republican. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their own beliefs. Nobody, you know, I'm, I'm not going to even dispute that aspect of it. My just thing is I'm not going to invest and say that I'm supporting women if I really don't support the women and the things that's important to them. Like, you know, I, you know, if, if Black Lives Matter is, you know, such a hate group to you and you're so anti it, but you have this group of women who feel so passionately about it because they are directly affected by some of the things that are happening in this country. To me, it just, there was such a disconnect. I didn't really understand why she, you know, kind of wanted to be a part of it. So for me, I think that um, she may not have wanted so much publicity, but that's what she got when the team kind of yeah. figured out, hey, okay, this is what she's doing. And two can play that game. And the Atlanta Dream kind of took it behind themselves to endorse, you know, somebody that was running against her and Warnock and kind of just basically pushing her out. Yeah. And so it was very interesting how it happened. Um, I think that that was the best decision because ultimately you need to have people that, you know, you, if you say that you're going to invest and, you know, you want to be a part of something, ultimately, I think it should align with, you know, what you believe in and, and kind of, sure. you know, morally, you know, what you support as a person. And I just feel like it's, you know, 
if, if, if you're in opposition to that, then it's just kind of counterproductive. So, but then on the other hand, you have owners like Magic Johnson, who I think genuinely just is a fan of basketball. He's an owner sure. in many aspects with the Dodgers and, you know, he has his hands on all these different teams. And, and, and I feel like he's genuinely doing it for the right reasons. He wants to see the women's game grow. Um, he's dear friends with Lisa Leslie. And, sure. you know, he was around when Cheryl Miller was playing, you know, so he, he's really a fan of the game. And, you know, even though I think the Sparks may be one of the few teams that probably don't work in the negative, maybe they make a little bit of money, you know, they have a fan base or whatever. Um, you know, I think he's, he's doing it for the right reasons. And that's kind of what the, what the league needs. A lot of the teams at this point are private ownership. So, you know, my hope is just that the owners just care about the cause. And, yeah. and with anything else, you have to invest in it. You have to want to see it do well. And that's ultimately what's going to lead to growth. And, and I think a prime example of that is, is Mark Davis with the, with the, late, with the Aces. Um, sure. He's done a tremendous job so far. He's really investing in those women. He's investing in Becky Hammond. He's investing in facilities. He's investing in marketing, which, you know, I, just being a, a local from Las Vegas, going to the Aces games, this is the best marketability billboards and things that I've ever seen you know, for the women's gotcha. game. And, and so people, when I see people like that, I know that those are the right people that are, that are growing the game and that are important, you know, to this league. And, and I'm hoping that we'll get more people on board. Yeah. Kelsey, do you, in your experience, based on what Chelsea said and in, in, in my initial comments, do, do you feel like now looking back and having perspective as a veteran and, and an older woman, like, yeah, maybe some of these teams or some of these owners or some of the people I, I, that employed me weren't, didn't have the best interest or do you think it's always been, or is that just like an uh, isolated incident down with the Atlanta dream? Um, to be honest with you, I think, um, yeah. it was an isolated event more than okay. anything. Um, okay. I think mm, for most of my time in the league, all yeah. the, every team had private ownership or they were still connected to the NBA team or whatever the case may be. Um, I think when you look at the language is always important around these team acquisitions because when there's an ownership group, there are a lot of different hands that are involved that, that their money is involved, but they don't necessarily have anything to do with the everyday aspects of the team, which yeah. was the case with the Atlanta Dream and the Kelly mm -hmm. Lawson situation. She was a mm -hmm. part of an ownership group who went in and purchased this team and her name just by way of being a part of this group was attached to this situation. Like she really, she could have cared less what they bought. That, yeah. that, and that's what she showed. Like she yeah. didn't care that they went and bought the Atlanta dream, whatever that money and percentage and however that was going to benefit her. That's all she was concerned with. But for the, most, for the most, for the most part, yeah, for the most part, most teams, you know, like, you know the owners, you know one mm -hmm. family, you know one person, you know, you know what I mean? You know them by name. Um, so it's really, what I can say is that when you're talking about teams and when you're talking about the league, you're always talking about kind of two different things. The league is one that, that the league is like, uh, okay, we we see you, you know, we're a part of you, but we're kind of leery about you. We always have to side out you because we don't know what you're going to give us. But okay. teams do try to do a really good job of of taking care of their players in their markets because, of, again, it's always a fight in free agency to try to say, hey, this is the carrot I can dangle you um, for you to come play for me. 
So, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm glad to hear that that would seem like it's more of an isolated incident and it's because the teams are not making oodles of money and globs of money that, that, that the owners are not just like, Hey, let me attach my name to this because it'll look good for me in public or look good on my mm -hmm. portfolio. So that that's good to hear that. It seems like there's not too much of that. So let's talk about, and, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Kelsey. I just want to, because to be honest with you, yeah. most of the owners in the WNBA are still on a team basis are still operating at a loss in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Like there's still a lot of them. I mean, when the lady, um, who sold the Sparks to the Dodgers and, and Magic Johnson. Uh -huh. She was losing like $9 million a year. And she was like, yeah, I just, her husband died and he really loved it. And she was like, yeah, he's gone and I'm not doing this anymore. We're losing <laughs> too much money. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, like somewhere between nine and $12 million a year, because when you think about it, you're opening up staples, you know, and mm -hmm. yes, you have a fan base, but you're not filling up staples like the Lakers and you got to turn right. the lights on and, the, the concession stands and pop the popcorn. You got to do all of that stuff. And so I think for the most part, it's a, it's a passion for those owners. They have, you know, they've been doing it for so long or they got into it because of this and they've just, it's become a part of their life. Um, yeah. Because for the most part, a lot of teams still do lose money. Yeah. And that makes sense. So they got to they got to be doing it for the, the right reasons. So let's talk about that and the right reasons. You know, Mark Davis, as you mentioned, Chelsea, the owner of the Raiders and the Aces, comes from a background with the Raiders where they had an alumni program. So he did the same thing for the Aces, even for the players who played for Utah San Antonio, which includes yourself. Yeah. So in June 2021, Chelsea, you were part of that Aces alumni weekend. How, how did that come about and how did that make you feel when, when you know, that happened? Okay, well, so I played for San Antonio Silver Stars as a free agent out of college out of San Diego State in 2013. Sure. Um, so I was home this past summer, and I got a call from Nikki Vargas, who's actually the president um, of the Aces. She took over them um, after having a long tenure at LSU as the head coach. Um, now she's working with the Aces. I got a random phone call from her. She's like, hey, like, you know, this is Nikki Vargas. Like, do you know who I am? And I'm like, sure. She was like, <laughs> she was like, yeah, like you used to play for, you know, the San Antonio Superstars and, you know, yeah. um, the team is now the Aces and we just kind of want to honor players of the, you know, of the past. So I told her, I said, oh, you know, that's all nice, but you know, I only played for you guys for like five minutes and for like five games when Danielle Robinson got hurt, you know, yeah. back in 2013. So I'm just like, it's very nice that you're calling me, but you know, I think that there's other people that you can call who actually gave a little bit more contribution than you did. So I was, you know, very happy to be recognized, but I also thought it was strange because I'm like, yo, this was one, a long time ago, two, I didn't really play for real. And, you know, it was just kind of random. But, you know, she said, hey, we appreciate everybody that had a hand in this organization. Um, we don't care if you played one minute or 100 minutes. Um, we just appreciate the women that have come before the group of women that we have now. And we, and we just kind of want to honor you. So she was like, um, I'd like to have you and a guest. I ended up taking my mother um, wow. to the Mandalay Bay. We were honored at a game. We, you know, I got to meet Nikki Vargas. I got to have dinner with Mark Davis. Um, you know, just kind of to share a little bit of my experience, which was a very, very short experience. But, you know, I got to kind of just be recognized for it. And, you know, it was very humbling, you know, for somebody like myself who, you know, never got the opportunity to really stick in the WNBA and just bounced around several franchises um, just as a replacement player, you know, seven day contracts, 
um, it just was cool to know that, you know, my little minutes kind of meant something in just the big picture, not so much yeah. as being a player and, you know, having star power, but just, just as a woman who, you know, has come along in this league and there was many women before me and there's going to be many women after. So it was really just an honor, um, you know, to be invited to such an event. And it was an excellent weekend. Um, I got to do an interview at halftime of the Aces game. Um, I'm familiar with a lot of the players, just, you know, sharing that experience with my mom. And, you know, it's definitely a memory that I'll, that I'll hold, um, hold on to for a while. Yeah, that, that, that seemed awesome. I did hear about it. Um, I asked you after, but I heard, I saw the social media clips and stuff. I go, oh, well, that's pretty interesting. You know, yeah. that, that, like it gave it some, some value and some meaning, especially being here in, in Las Vegas. And it meant something to me because I like the silver and black. I like the, you know, I know how the Raiders are. <laughs> like, you know, I want, I want them to win. I'm just like any other team. I'm hoping the Raiders are winning. They're, they're not, at least they made the playoffs, but. I know what it means for people to feel like they're associated with, with the Raiders because mm -hmm. of where I grew up in Southern California, they had the first black head coach. They had the first Mexican quarterback. They had the first Mexican Super Bowl quarterback. They had the first woman GM. Like, so that's where Mark comes from. You know, like Al's just kind of does it his way, you know, Hey, this is the, how the Raiders do it. So, I'm, I think that's cool. If the Aces do anything like the Raiders, I'm like with it. You know, like. Yeah. Cool. And, and that's kind of basically yeah. when I had a conversation yeah. with Mark when we had dinner that yeah. night. Yeah. Um, he was basically saying that he feels like his success with taking over the Raiders was because of an initiative that he started where he brought in a lot of former players to just have a hand in the development of, you know, the organization and the younger players that are playing now. So he just said, this is my hope for this WNBA team. Like, I'm going to grow this team. I'm going to put yeah. money into it. I'm going to put resources into it. And, you know, because I had so much success bringing past players to the Raiders and having them just be a part of our community, I, I hope to do the same on the women's basketball side. And that's really where the whole honoring, you know, past players kind of initiative came from. And, and it's been a great success. Sure. And just to give a real quick summary, they obviously opening up a 45,000 squids foot square facility they're paying becky hammond who came over from the you know the nba she was hired on new year's eve she's the highest paid coach in the league one million a year so i mean those details people know about so so cassie wanted to ask you that from your perspective did you experience anything uh close to that level of commitment in the league on any of the teams you played for that what you hear about chelsea saying the raiders and obviously you played for the aces as well has there been any other team that had that type of family atmosphere or just that type of level of commitment um yeah i think i was um i was lucky in my yeah. time in the WNBA. um i was drafted to new york uh yeah. when we were still a part of the knicks so i got to be a part of you know in the knicks training facilities where we practice we got to you know that summer we weren't we didn't play in the garden because they were doing remodeling or renovations or whatever but we were out in new jersey and so i was Always, you know, we we were taken very well taken care of. Um, I went to Connecticut and we were owned, you know, by the casino and we played out in Mohegan Sun and they took really good care of us there too. Um, I left Connecticut. I went to Phoenix again, another NBA team. Um, you know, whatever the the Suns have, we had. Um, there wasn't there was no drop off. Same facilities, same locker rooms, same everything. Um, and then my time in. Las Vegas was probably the best because at that time the Raiders weren't involved yet. It was just MGM, but it was so new. It was so, it was such a buzz and it quickly became a, a, a place where, you know, it was different. We, you were getting things in Vegas that you really couldn't compare and get elsewhere. Um, and so 
um, there are, you know, there are markets. Every market is unique um, okay. to what they do for players and how what their thing is and how they take care of their players. Um, but when you start talking about Raider money and football money and when you kind of start yeah. diversifying the ownership, um, it, it changes it's, it's starting to change what the status quo is for taking care of players. Now the levels are being raised. The bar is being raised higher and higher because now there's there's new money circulating and being involved. In, and now the, the resources are kind of unlimited. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, that, that definitely changes the dynamics of being associated with the Raiders, being the owner with the Raiders. And like you said, it it's, it's a, seems like a great move to have the franchise here in Las Vegas as one of the, the 12 franchises. Now let's talk about that because we're talking a little bit about a controversy there. Liz came, came controversy. A um, little bit of what she said regarding Becky Hammond's hiring. So, you know, the four-time all-star and now she's a free agent commit to the sparks. She made a comment about her head coach or the, the perceived head coach making four times the highest paid players and having a, a greater seat on a commercial flight. And she ain't going to do that no more. Kind of what you said at the beginning of the show, Kelsey. So, um, you know, Kelsey, I'll ask you and Chelsea, you could chime in. Did, did every player immediately know those comments were not a shot at Becky? There was just a, a state of the, of the WNBA. No. <laughs> I, I knew. I knew that it wasn't a shot at Becky. I think most players knew, but so some kind people of, did try to take it the wrong area. way. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. What, what I can say is this. There have been some rumblings. Since yeah. the since the announcement of, of Becky being hired, that Liz wasn't happy. I don't know if it was that she wasn't happy that she wasn't involved. I don't know if she wasn't happy with who was hired. But sure. there were just some rumblings that she it was kind of already known that she wasn't going back to Las Vegas. Got you. Before mm-hmm. she ever tweeted this, that kind of was known because like she did like there might have been like a ten year challenge or something on social media a couple weeks ago or something. <laughs> And she posted a picture of them playing against each other in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And like, yes. that was the only thing she posted to acknowledge. Everybody else made a statement or whatever. That was the only thing she posted to acknowledge that Becky Hammond had been hyped. And if you know Liz, she's she's cryptic and she loves the drop. <laughs> so like, yeah, whatever. So there was a, there was a, I won't, I won't say there was beef or anything like that, sure, but there sure. was already something there, yeah. in a sense, yeah. of knowing that she was not happy about something. So when that statement was made, um, I mean, yeah, it, it could be said that it wasn't personal, because like Becky Hammond didn't say, hey, I'm going to pay myself a million dollars. Hey, that's not what happened there. So it wasn't a personal attack on her. Um, however, she said it, and then she turned around and committed to play for the Sparks. So, like, <laughs> okay, that's maybe that was her way of letting everybody know she was going to the Sparks. If hey, you know. yeah, like, maybe I don't know because, like, to me, it read, "I'm not playing at all." Like, I'm not because here's the thing: if you had to pay to upgrade your seat in Las Vegas, you're definitely gonna have to pay to upgrade it in Lo- in Los Angeles. So, like, I thought I took it as, "Oh, she's not playing at all." And I think Chelsea was at my house that day when it when it happened, and we were talking about it. And then, literally two days later, she's like, "Yep, gonna play in LA," and it's like, "Yeah," because then it leaves you the question. Well, where were you talking? Like, you know, where was that shot going? Was because now you are playing. You you just not playing in Las Vegas. Interesting. 
interesting. Uh, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> first of all, I agree with this, but I also think that two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Like Liz was not wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. I think more so people take it how they took it because of the messenger. Liz has this reputation of, you know, being a rebel, being a diva, whatever, super talented player. Nobody can dispute that. But a lot of times the issue surrounding Liz is not her talent. It's everything else. So I think if someone else well, would have said this, yeah, if somebody else would have said this, then they would have been, yeah, absolutely right. But because it was Liz, it was like, uh, she's not wrong, but it's Liz kind of thing. And that's exactly what happened in my opinion. But I think Liz was absolutely 100% right. Um, two things can be true. Obviously, you know, Becky Hammond, it's incredible that she got this salary and, you know, this commitment from Mark Davis as an owner, um, you know, to lead the Aces franchise. Like nobody is knocking that at all. But, Liz, you know, Liz is just saying, hey, without saying it, what other professional league does this happen in? You know, Frank Vogel is not going to be making more than LeBron James. Yeah. Steve Kerr is not going to be making more than Stephen Curry. So she's absolutely right in that sense where she is a premier player in this league. She's a max player in this league and her salary is going to be 210, 220, obviously depends on how many years you play, but okay. It's going to be 200 plus and Becky's making, you know, four times that. So, you know, right message, wrong messenger, but I agree. I agree. Yeah. With um, I wanted to jump off the subject, but it's relating to that. Just as you say, like you said, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook make 40 million a year, mm -hmm. right? So the dynamic with their coaches are a little different. And I kind of related to college and the college experience. I'm always telling people and people that ask me, what do you think about this college, Ron? This is more on the boy side. What do you think about this roster? What do you think about this coach? I'm like, it's never going to be a great relationship per se because you have a men's coach making $5 million, $8 million, $6 million, and the player's making nothing. So, like, there's no other job or quote-unquote job in America where that happens. Like, if you work mm -hmm. at Home Depot, you report to your supervisor. That supervisor reports to the store manager. That store manager reports to the regional supervisor and so on. Mm -hmm. And this job, the person who's the entry level reports to the top. Like, and it just mm -hmm. makes it a weird dynamic in the college game sometimes. They Like, the players have no leverage. What are you going to tell a man making $8 million? So, does that, does that play over a little bit in – the play of the WNBA, oh, look, at you know, coach is making a lot more than me. Maybe the way you guys interact or no, when you get on the court, it's, hey, we got to put a wrist bet forward, try to win, try to win the championship. Doesn't matter. That goes out the window or does it affect things? I would, I would, I would beg you to do a poll of every woman who has ever played in the WNBA up until this point. Okay. And the one question would be, how much did your coaches make? Nobody knows because we never mm -hmm. knew that information. Mm -hmm. That's not information that has ever been talked about, discussed. It's, the number was somewhere like 300. Like they've always made more. Let's be mm -hmm. clear. Always made because they know it's not right, though. That's Nobody why it's not public knew. knowledge, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that doesn't mean it's not public knowledge because if you get on, if you you can Google anything these days. Like you can Google and find that out, but like yeah. it wasn't something that was ever talked about. But they've always mm -hmm. made more. Like mm -hmm. when Bill Beer took the job in Las Vegas, he was the president, the GM, and the head coach. They paid him for all of those hats. Like mm -hmm. he was at the time, he was like the highest paid coach. In the, in, yeah. in the WNBA history at the time because he wore all those hats and he was making something like 
uh, upwards of like 350. Yeah, 350. So like, mm-hmm. They've always made more than the players. It's just that now, and you know, social media, I blame everything on social media. I'm that person. But <laughs> the, the we're in the information age. Like everybody's business is available if if you if you look hard enough. And so, yeah, when you're broadcasting, because Becky Hammond has spent so much time saying she wanted to be the first woman to be a head coach in the NBA, now her moving to the WNBA brings you a different notoriety. You got a different set of eyes watching you now. A different group of people care about your league. So then different type. that's an NBA thing. We don't ever, we don't ever know how, like, even now, like, they're starting to say, I signed a max contract in 2018. Nobody anywhere wrote down how much money that was. Now you signed a max contract. Team John Quill Jones just signed a max contract. She's gonna make 207 this year. She's gonna make 212 next year. Whoa. And and for and for me, someone who played in this league, that's like a wow to me because like, well, and you know, my in my growing up, you don't tell people your business, you don't have people counting business. And so when I see that's a that's a change. That is that is something that is changing because the league is now becoming more visible. That that to me, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a direct sign of growth and visibility because now people care about where that what that money looks like and where is that going and what that's and I'm telling you, pre pre Becky Hammond, not one WNBA player knew how much their coach. I mean, if they did, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't, wasn't an issue. Yeah. 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 It wasn't out there. Interesting. No. So I know that people from Houston, H-Town, don't want nobody knowing how much they Because I believe me and Chelsea were together again when she was the one reading me the tweet about JJ's contract. And I'm like, whose business is that? Like, you know, people can just, it's just on Twitter. Somebody just randomly tweeted, hey, Junquel's going to be making a boatload of money this year and next and the following. And here are the exact numbers. I think that raises the stakes for the girls. I no, I do. I love hey, it. Hey, you better perform. And the yeah. fans are going to be like, hey, I want to get on her. I'm going to get behind her, you know, for sure. Okay, but also get behind me because when I am performing, I need that price to go up, though, on the, <laughs> yes. on the next contract. So yeah. I love it. Like, I love that it's yes. public knowledge. And so yes. you know exactly, hey, and, and too, just as a player and as a competitor, yo, if Kelsey Bone is worth this, then what am I then worth? I know I'm worth. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how it works. That's how and it works. could be like the, the sword can be on the other edge, like we're seeing with Russ with Russ in LA. It's like people yeah. are always in like, Jesus. You're making all that money. Don't talk, you yeah, can't don't do talk about Russ. Uh, don't talk about Russ. You know, I have a soft spot. Just don't. Just yeah. not him. I hear you. I hear. You. But that's good. It sounds like that's a good thing that it's being in the public eye. People are, are it raises the expectations. So I, I that that is a good thing to me. Um, you know. Let me go back to Liz for a second. Again, for, for people that are supporting the league and want to find better ways for it to turn a profit, does it make a sense for a star player to complain about those conditions? Or are we at the point where, hey, it has to change, like you said, Kelsey, early in the show. It has to change now. Does it matter the profit level? Does it have to change now? Period. Okay. Period. It, it, enough. Like, it, at this yeah. point, I think, um, and, and, and what we have – it's funny because what the research would show is that when we take the public approach with the league, we get way more. Mm-hmm. Faster response. Faster oh, response. man. Like the minute we start tweeting, you go public, 
you start bringing that attention, you start having ESPN pop your tweets up on the TV, mm-hmm. you start getting action. And so mm-hmm. it sucks because we should just be able to say, hey, this is what we need. This is what it is, whatever the case may be. But that's not, it's still not that yet. It's mm-hmm. not. And so um, I think b- because you have to make it where, I'll, I'll say this, like, for example, Liz Cambage doesn't necessarily come overseas anymore. She's never really come to Europe. And China mm-hmm. is shut down for the foreseeable future. And I don't know what her deal is after the whole thing with the Olympics and being in Australia, if she can ever play at home. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. Cool. So my thing is, is that the WNBA's goal should be to make the WNBA a place where players want mm-hmm. to play not where they have to play. I don't mm-hmm. want to go overseas anymore. Uh, I guess I'll just stay here and do this now. Like, it should be mm-hmm. something where it's like, this is my job. This is what I do. I love this. Like, I mean, when you look at the, the men who play in the NBA, they are professional basketball players. Like, they mm-hmm. are that. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think you always get that same feeling when you're in the WNBA because mm-hmm. – you always got to be rushing to go overseas or if you have if you decide that you don't want to go overseas and you can afford to stay at home you know whatever the case may be i think you want to make it a situation where it's like well i can't just leave two hundred and twenty thousand dollars on the table mm-hmm. it's like no this is my job and i'm going to work this summer you know what i mean like it it, it, it has to that part has to change like okay it's free money i mean because for all practical purposes there was a time where the wba was like shopping money like pennies Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're just playing because we want to play in front of our families. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We want to do that part, have that aspect, you know, but like the big money is across the water. And for a lot of people, that's still true. That's still true. And so you have to you have to make it where it's able to be competitive. And I think a lot of because here's what's gonna happen. This next crop of kids that's coming out of college, they're not gonna need the WB. Because they're mm-hmm. gonna make more money in college, start, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're before they even come money. out, before they even come out, with all this money already. So mm-hmm. it, it becomes like, do I want to be a brand or do I really want to play? And you, again, I just think it's better when people want to be a part of it, not just, well, yeah, if they're gonna give me this money, I might as well go play because it's right here. Kind of okay. Yeah. So it, it, I see what you're saying. The, the the perception of it and and the the necess the necessity, like, hey, mm-hmm. this this league is. Where you want to be at, where it's not like okay, I'll just mm-hmm. play because I'm gonna stay in the states. So that's a good point that I, I would never thought of. Um, you know, wanted to get your guys' takes. I want to play good cop, bad cop. I want to take the the advocate of devil's advocate here before we let you go, Kelsey. I, I appreciate you being on and giving your insight. If the WA is constantly compared to the NBA, it's a, it almost seems like it's always gonna fall short and seem if it's a step behind or a grade below. D- does that make sense? Is that even fair? So when people talk about basketball, they always bring up the NBA. Well, if you guys, if we keep doing that, the WNBA is never going to be above. Like, do you guys see that as a group? Or do you guys think, hey, no, that's how we have to do it because that's how we're going to get shit pushed through? I think it's a little bit of both. Okay, so I'm, okay, I'm, I'm pro-NBA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't when it comes to the WNBA. They don't, like, I'll tell you this, a couple years ago with the most recent CBA, the yeah. Players Association used the NFL's Players Association to, with help for bargaining and all of this stuff. They did not okay. use the NBA. 
Um, I think the WNBA's biggest mistake has been trying to detach itself from the NBA. And I'll tell you why. I don't, I wasn't alive, but the NBA at 30 wasn't the NBA at 75. Mm-hmm. It just That's wasn't. What I like to try to make all the time. Wasn't. And yeah. people want to compare the WNBA at 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years old to a product that struggled its first how many every years until it finally years. was able. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like it took them. The w, the NBA has only been profitable since Michael Jordan. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, mm-hmm. the NBA didn't really become the product that it was until Magic, that that right. era. And so, right. what happens is that if everybody would take it for what it is right now, like you can't be, you can't compare yourself to the NBA at seventy five. But what you can say is. Yeah. Show me and help me what you with what you did to get from thirty to, to where you are, mm-hmm. to where you are now. And and yeah. I think we now a big a lot. This is what happened when David Stern came up with this idea, and everybody back in ninety six and or, or pre ninety six was talking about doing this surrounding the ninety six Olympics and the team, the women's team in the Olympics. He went to these NBA owners and said, "These are the markets. You will own a team." Great. Those 12 teams came into existence. Maybe three of them still exist or or left now. But what happened was is that quite naturally they lost money. A lot of money. And the NBA owners weren't, they didn't remember (laughs) what their Mm -hmm. NBA teams did back in the day. And so they bailed. And so you had to, like, that's literally what happened to the comments. Leslie Alexander, the owner of the Rockets at the time, he sold the comments to the Hilton furniture man, like the man, he was known in Houston for having like these crazy commercials with his kids for his furniture store. And like, you could literally call Hilton furniture and say, Hey, I want to come work for the comments. And he'd be like, well, meet me at the compact center at three o'clock. <laughs> like you would get hired and you would get a job. So like it yes. kind of started getting into the wrong hands. And then mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you again, after Val Ackerman and Donna Orinder as the first two commissioners, it got real funny. Like they brought in Laura Richie, the lady from the Girl Scouts. Then they brought the lady from uh, Coca-Cola. And now you have the lady from Deloitte. And it's like, mm, okay, yes, I get the business aspect. I really get that part. Yeah. But at what point do we get someone in here who also has a sports background? Because mm-hmm. it's not selling cookies and cokes. That's mm-hmm. not what we're selling here. We're not That's mm-hmm. not what this product is. We're like, I remember in 2015 being an all-star. And it was this whole, how are we going to get people to watch? How are we going to get people to do this? And it's like, well, we're going to change the uniforms and we're going to go to a scoop neck uniform and shorter shorts. So, like, can I drop step her in the paint and dunk her? Or are we just worried about <laughs> and making how sure I look. That my thigh is right? right. What are we doing? And, and then it's like, you know, there were so many things that were being focused on. And it was just like, no, that's not... Mm-hmm. We're not wearing this. Like our our, our all star uniforms that year were like reversibles, and we were like, "What? What yeah. are we like? You know, why are these the things and the steps that we're taking?" And so, right. I do. I think that at some point, you've just got to bring it all together. And 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 and, and until they're able to do that, there will still be a struggle because 
why wouldn't you use the NBA? Like, why wouldn't you piggyback and get that kind of support and have that kind of entity behind you so yeah. that you don't fail? And, and yeah. Adam Silver and everybody is still technically a part, but they're not. They're still working as two kind of separate entities. And I yeah. think that's a, that's a bad thing. So you think they got to come together more, keep the association with the two leagues together? Mm-hmm. So on, on that note, I wanted to ask ask you, you know, about, like you said, playing it forward, thinking about the future, because like you said the league is 25 and you're always comparing yourself to a 75-year-old league, or the public is, I should say. Right. And so in that note, do you think that, like, the, the women of the league and the players should always be talking about the greatness of the other players and the past players? Because people always laugh and they say, well, look at the NBA. Why was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the dunk contest? They're laughing at him. The little clip comes out on social media. I'm like, guys, you know why he was in the dunk contest? Because he was the damn star. So one day the 12th man could be in the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. He knew. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, always, you know, that kind of thing. They always knew, like, we got to talk about the future and, and put our small differences aside. Because like you said, in the 60s and 70s, they weren't making money. Is that happening mm-hmm. enough now? Like with the, the girls as a group? To say so-and-so is an awesome player, you know, she's the best, you know, to create rivalries to talk good about it, or is it more talking about the league not doing the right things that Kelsey's been talking about? Does that turn people off? You think there be, needs to be more of that? I, I honestly think there needs to be more shit talking. Like, I think oh, there needs thank to be you. More I, I want to chime in on this after you. Go ahead. There okay. needs to be more honesty. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, if you've yeah. noticed in the past 10 years, the WNBA has changed their logo twice. Right. Okay. Because they went away from the traditional red, white and blue to get away from the NBA. Then they went to the orange and now they've turned into the woman with the layup and the butt. All right. Yeah. Cool. But like all that's fine. But like. Sports is a people want to see com- competition. They want you. They want to see you be competitive. They want to know. Yeah. Women's basketball was at its peak when Pat Summit and Gino hated each other. Correct. That's what people want to see. A lot of times what people don't understand is you see all that positive, positive, she's so great. And in real life, they don't like each other. Like they really Mm -hmm. don't like each other. And what we don't realize is is that if we play more into the fact that y'all really hate each other and when y'all get off this camera, y'all probably gonna cuss each other out. We would would get fans would like it more. Yeah. Yeah, like we try to say, oh, let's be ladies and let's we're we're positive and we're family. No, we're not. We, a lot of us don't like each other. Like it, it really is that there's so much because I mean we're yeah. women for crying out loud. Like you really Correct. think 144 of us all get along? <laughs> no. Correct. Okay, so okay, but Kelly. Go ahead, Chelsea. I think I think the WNBA feeds into that narrative though. Like this year, Ronnie, the WNBA crowned Diana the GOAT of the WNBA. Well, she's not my goat. I want to say that. She's not my goat. They did a whole, you know, they gave her this nice trophy, you know, hey, everybody sees you as the goat in the NBA. They let the fans decide, whatever. But it's like, that that's Mm. a controversy that fuels, you know, basketball discussions on the men's side every single day. Let it ride. Don't pick anybody. Every day we're saying, who's better? Yeah, who's better? We're saying bronze. We're saying Jordan. Some people say Kareem. Some people say Will. Like, let it ride out. Let people sure. have their own opinions. Let people have, you know, reasons why they think this person's the best or that person's the best. Like, I understand Diana is well-respected and she deserves everything. Like, nobody's disputing that. But sure. if you want to create, you know, you don't have to push a narrative of, hey, this is collectively what everybody thinks. Because Diana's amazing. 
That is not yeah. something that you can pick. You yeah, want me I to believe that. that Diana is better than Cheryl Miller? No. There are so there's there's some all-time great WNBA players that never played in the WNBA. So like we really cannot talk about uh, that's that's but, the but, thing that but even the old crazy. ones though. The young yeah. people don't know the old, they don't know Cheryl Swoops and they don't know Cynthia Cooper. They don't know Diana Tweedy Nolan. They don't, there were some real, like real people. Now, in, in my generation, yeah, no, no, absolutely. She deserves it. And in my generation, I believe that Maya's the GOAT. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like Maya is in our generation, that that's who, who I think. If you go <laughs> exactly. past generations, so, yeah, so Cassie, we'll have you back on one day to talk about that topic, to go all in on all this, because that was yeah. what I was trying to bring up. It seemed like you like you guys said, they maybe shouldn't have done that. It's like the NBA announces oh. the 75 players, so we got to announce these 25 players. Yeah. Even like with the All-Star um, All Star votes and all that stuff, like they tell you vote fans, vote. This, yeah. That stuff is picked. Diana was going to win. Whether any Diana mm. might did she might not have gotten the most votes. <laughs> I I would argue I would want to see the I need to see the tallies. Show me the numbers. <laughs> no, nah, I think she. Not, I mean, and she probably did. But what I'm saying is that vote didn't matter. She was gonna win. We're go, no one else. Yeah, because that's who they push. That's what we talked about. They talk about the same several people, and the, and 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 there is no all star if Diana's not in it, according to the WNBA. Like that's just how it works. But no. I think we need these conversations. We need people to have an opinion. We need people to say, hey, this player is better than that player. We, th that, that's healthy dialogue for sports. That's how you grow it, you know, right. and, and, and I think it's okay. So, Kelsey, as we, we let you go, I want to let you get out. I appreciate, again, your time. You guys Thanks, mentioned Kelsey. the college and, like, Gino and Pat Summit having a rivalry, everybody knowing UConn and Tennessee as much as the WNBA. So that's what I tell people. I'm like, John Wooden – is like um, Pat Summit, right? Like in that comparison. And Gino Emery is like a, a newer coach, like Popovich. Mm -hmm. So the two forces came together, as you mentioned, the most watched college basketball game of all time is Magic and Bird in the final, and it carried over to the NBA. So I always tell people, the WNBA is not there. They don't have Magic and Bird yet. But is, is Maya more like Dr. J? Is that where we are? Or are we still in... Uh, Oscar Robinson, Jerry West, George Mike and days. Like, no, where, where is the league now as we let you go? Where do we stand today? Is Maya Dr. J? Because we haven't had Bird and Magic. And we know we haven't had Jordan yet. But where is the league at? Maya got is out of Maya, there. If she would have stayed. Go ahead. Maya still plays. Maya's Jordan. Maya takes this lead Easily. somewhere. I think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. She trains like that. Sabrina Inescu, all that stuff. That really don't matter because Maya's yeah. still here, okay. dominating. Like Minnesota's not losing right now. No, not uh, like. And honestly, ooh, Maya might be Bill Russell <laughs> at this point. Like with her shopping, her like, resume is yeah. Nice. yeah. Like at this okay. point, like, and I understand what you're asking, like. Yeah. From Bill Russell to Michael Jordan was a really long time. Like, where are where is Maya? Is it Dr. J to yeah. MJ? Sure. It's coming. We got some people. Brianna Stewart to me is okay. next. Um, no, I, I, no, like, but, but, but Brianna Stewart needs magic to your point. If she's bird or she's magic, she needs bird. 
There needs to be two it people. Would, like, it, it, it would have it would have been Deladon, but she's only played three games in in three years. So that would have been it. would have been Deladon. The people period. that they keep picking, like the superstars, like because they won't let things happen organically. The people yeah. that they keep putting in these on this pedestal, yeah, they let them down. They let them down every time. And so that's why you have to just let, like when you look at a Kalea Cooper and you yeah. look at what she was able to do in the finals this year, she's been doing that. She's been a bucket. Like that didn't okay. just, now she got a different type of opportunity playing with Candace Parker and some different types of looks and all she didn't that have stuff. a Candace. That matters. But, that yeah, matters. no, that, that absolutely changes things. But that's a story. Her story has been her story. You know what I mean? Her, She's been that. And so I do think, um, I would say there's got to be, there's got to, in my opinion, please don't, mm-hmm. nobody take this the wrong way, but I think there's going to be one more cycle before okay. we get to the Jordan in the WBA. And I'll tell you why. I think right now there's a, there's a lull in the, in the talent. Like when you think about the last few draft classes and what those top picks have done, um, I think when you look at like this this latest rookie class, a lot of them haven't been able to sustain overseas. A lot of them have been cut. That's not, you know, when you're a top draft pick and you have a WNBA machine behind you, you don't get cut in Europe. Like they let you play through a lot of stuff. And so that's not really the case anymore. You're starting to see a lot of talent get sent home because th- that change is happening where it's really not, there's not a focus on the fundamentals and the talent right now. Everybody's trying to be a brand. Everybody's trying to be cute. Everybody's trying to have the most followers so they can get this kind of money and do a little bit of something different than actually play basketball. We always joke and say, like, our generation, we just play basketball. Like, we were ugly. We didn't care. We didn't care about no lashes. We didn't have no makeup on. We weren't doing any of that stuff. Like, we just wanted to play basketball. And so there's, a, there's one more, I think, shift that has to happen before um, we kind of get back to just hooping, honestly, yeah. in my okay. opinion. Because I think we're, we're, we're kind of venturing away from that right now. Yeah. I see that, what you're saying. Like, because if you look at Magic Johnson, we talked about him owning the Dodgers and being involved in the Sparks. Like, regardless of his off-the-court activities and the Lakers and the Celtics, like, those guys practiced. He came to practice every day and they hoop. So that makes sense. Well, we hope that it keeps growing. Uh, Kelsey, we appreciate your time on Thank our pod man. today. Thank you for staying on so long. You get we have to cut bring you back. You got a lot of opinions. Yeah, Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. I know you want to argue a little more with Chelsea about a couple of points. Of course. <laughs> we were nice today. Like we didn't even we didn't even go get anywhere close to how we can get. So we definitely yeah. have to come back. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Kelsey. Okay. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, yeah, you know, that was great. She gives great insight, and I know she has a lot mm-hmm. to say. She can speak a lot more. So, yeah, you know, it's hard to say exactly where the WNBA is in terms of, um, you know, is it at the Dr. J stage or is it, you know, is it still in the George Mikan days? I mean, that, that's just hyperbole anyway. We're just trying to give some perspective, but it does seem things are going in the right way. Obviously, we hope that $75 million is used correctly, and you, and you mentioned marketing has to be right. Uh, Chelsea, I wanted to ask you, you know, as we get to close here, you know, does it, does it, does it, would it be good if, um, if the fans, you know, if they're, if their game is, and, and it kind of like Kelsey mentioned, if, if we talk about playing at, at, um, you know, Staples Center, crypto.com, we talk about playing in the garden, would it make sense for 
the girls to play in various cities, their games, or would that just put too much strain on the players? Like go play in New Mexico a game, go play in Nebraska, go play in Tennessee, or would that put too much strain and just rise operating costs? I think it would put too much strain on it at this point, especially as we spoke about just traveling accommodations. Like it's already difficult to just go to the next city over, you know, flying and in, in coach on Southwest in a busy airport. So sure. I, I definitely think it would put more strain on it, but I do like, you know, how Mark Davis and stuff is trying to, you know, keep his facilities just aces oriented. You know, I, I like the partnership. If you have a partnership with the, with the NBA team, because that means the facilities and stuff are already there. But, you know, some of these other teams, you know, maybe they need to create their own identity. Maybe they need to have a venue that's more intimate and, you know, not like Crypto Arena because there's no way at this time that a WNBA team could fill out, you know, such a stadium. But, you know, if if you find the intimacy, you find the fans, which I believe that the fans are out there. um, A lot of people just, you know, don't know so much about the product. And, you know, that goes back to just the whole concept that we've talked about about just visibility and, and letting people know, hey, this is what's available. This is what's out here. We have talented players. We want your girls to look up to these players. We want them to have role models and we want to be in the community. All that kind of stuff just plays into the growth of the WNBA. And I, I definitely think the, the, the WNBA is trending in the right direction. Um, right. But, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen for, you know, the WNBA to succeed. I mean, he's 75 years like the NBA. And yeah. You know, it, it starts with just people believing in the cause. And now that, you know, we're getting some money pumped into it, that's going to lead to, you know, better experience for the players, more money for the players, better venues, better marketing. And ultimately, that's how you just keep the keep the league afloat. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, me too. And like I said, for 25 years in, like people got to have some perspective where the NBA was 25 years in. And I think the WNBA is, is doing a good job. So I wanted to let people know as a podcast close out that, you know, we want to spread more apparel promotion across all our platforms, including our podcast network. You can go to shop.ballislife.com. You get a one-time use for a discount code, 15% off using the In the Paint Show. It's The discount code is P-A-I-N-T-1-5. Once again, the discount code is P-A-I-N-T-1-5, shop.ballislife.com. Free shipping throughout the U.S. You get everything from tees, shorts, backpacks, basketballs, and more. Chelsea, I appreciate you giving me your insight and giving our listeners your in, the insight from your time with, you know, the Silver Stars to, you know, meeting with the Aces and, and seeing where the, the league is going. I want to give people some news that, you know, high school basketball news that Steve Smith from Oak Hills retiring after 37 seasons at the head coach at the conclusion of the 2021-2022 season. Chelsea, I know you you follow a lot of their players and a lot of uh, the people that have come through that program. I mean, 34 McDonald's picks, mm-hmm. 35 NBA guys. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Um, he came on our pod before. He's been a long time. Yes, mm-hmm. of our pod a few times. He came on number 62. So we're, we're hope to have him before the end of the season again. But I wanted to let people know that he is going to move on from the high school ranks, which just seems like he's been around as long as I've been following high school basketball. It's incredible. So, yeah, 37 seasons doing anything is – and plus, I've been to Oak Hill. It's way up there in the mountains in southwest Virginia. It's like two hours from Charlotte Airport. And when you get there, you can tell. You look around, you're like, man, this you got to really be serious about ball to mm-hmm. want to go there. It's kind of grown its own brand. It used to just kind of be for East Coast kids to go that maybe needed some help with their academics or were getting yeah. in trouble, and mostly in New York in the 80s. You know, the 80s were so crazy in New York. Kids needed to get, get it right. But 37 years, so – 
hopefully we keep moving forward and hopefully that'll be interesting to see who takes that job. And I'm sure it's going to be a highly coveted job. But for now, we're going to close out this episode 115. Thanks again, Chelsea. We hope to see you very soon again talking Absolutely. about, I don't know, we're going to talk probably about what the WMA preview. Yeah, we're going to talk about Brian a little bit. You kind of shortchanged me with my boy today. So we're going to leave that <laughs> Talk about the, the NBA episode. playoffs coming, you know, yes, obviously he's going to get some closer. Thoughts. Yeah, oh, yeah. that He's going to get closer to the NBA and see if he, he actually gets them in and how what they can do in that 2-7 or 1-8. We're getting in. We're getting in, okay? Don't worry about it. Yeah. We're going to pass Kareem in points, too. We on our way, so don't worry about it. Man, that's going to be very interesting. But for now, we'd like to appreciate everybody logging in. But until next time... Me and Chelsea are logging off. Bye.